0: Hey, what's going on? Thanks so much for clicking on the podcast. Now, before you click off and go somewhere else, I know what you're asking. What is this place? Well, it's really simple. The Reporter Studio is made for you. Here's the thing. I'm willing to bet that you consume news every single day. Maybe you're getting it off television or radio. Maybe you still read the local paper. Maybe it's a podcaster. Maybe you like getting it off Facebook. Either way, I'm still willing to bet that every day on some level, you're getting the news. But have you ever asked yourself where that news comes from? Have you ever asked yourself how journalists do this job? Or then again, maybe you're one of those people who thinks we're all fake news, and well, that's okay too. Look, the podcast is made for you because it's going to answer those questions. And maybe I don't convince you to stop calling me fake news, but that's okay Throughout the podcast, I'm going to introduce you to a bunch of journalists. And I want you to hear that, well, we're just human beings, just like you. And maybe that'll help you better understand the news that you consume. So I don't know. Take a listen, see what you think. I really do appreciate it. Thanks again for clicking on. <laughs> uh, you know being a journalist means that you're likely going to be unliked and this is not a new thing journalists have been the bane of presidents and people in power since the beginning of this nation and even everyday average americans have always had what i call a need hate relationship with journalists people need the news they just don't necessarily like us, the ones who are putting it together. Now this job requires curiosity and courage. And for years, I thought that we had to avoid taking sides and we had to be as objective as possible. But I think we're finally coming around to the point where we realized neither of those are realistic. I still do believe though, that as a journalist, I can achieve fairness and accuracy. But I get it, a lot of people hate us. We have to question public officials and maybe you like that person. And if you do, then you're gonna hate me for questioning them. And all of the hate that you see recently, it's not new. It's been around even violence against journalists. I mean, history is littered with all kinds of horror stories. You know, the last five years have been, well, a little uncomfortable, sometimes annoying and even sometimes dangerous. You know, the year 2020 was probably the peak of that tough season. So get this, there is a US Press Freedom Tracker. It's a list, it actually keeps track of all the times that reporters are attacked or assaulted or their equipment gets damaged or something like that. It's put together by the Freedom of the Press Foundation. And in 2020, they found that there were 438 physical attacks on reporters. And by the way, get this, a lot of them were by the police. Well, I mean, come on, you remember what happened in 2020, right? I mean, yeah, we had this thing called the pandemic. And then there was this really contentious, controversial election. And then, of course, there was the nationwide racial protests in light of the murder of George Floyd. So talking about the dangers of being a reporter in today's world, I want to introduce you to Kirsten McCutton. Her official title is Vice President of Editorial for the Freedom of the Press Foundation and she's the managing editor of the U.S. Press Freedom Tracker. Now, I talked to her about the challenges of being a journalist in the U.S. today and how we might be able to better help people understand what we do and how we do our jobs, but also why we're not the enemy. Organization is relatively new uh, when you think about it. It hasn't been around that long. What was the impetus to start it?
1: So FPF, yeah, is about eight years old. um, And the tracker itself was launched in 2017. Uh, A lot was happening in 2017. Uh, Before that, groups, advocacy groups, news orgs were getting together and realizing there was no one place to track what was happening to US journalists. If a journalist was arrested, it's news org, that person's news org might write about it, or an advocacy group might write about it. But there was no way to say like, hey, how many journalists have been assaulted in 2016? We don't know because there wasn't one place that kept it all. And did what we do, which is also work to verify that information um, and put it all together in a way that's really easy to digest for the public. So in 2017, the US Press Freedom Tracker launched. You know, that was the start of then President Donald Trump's, uh, he had gone from being a candidate to being the president uh, of the United States. And there was a lot of heated rhetoric around press freedom at the time and and journalists in the US. So it was actually a really important time and it has proved to be really good timing to have had the US press freedom tracker throughout these past, we're now in our fifth year of documentation. We'll well, We'll hit our five year anniversary this August and it'll be completing our sixth year of documentation
0: here soon when when the tracker came out the first year what did you find and what surprised you
1: you know what was interesting i always say about the tracker is that it mimics what's going on in the world so uh that seems sort of like a no-brainer but i'm i'm going to explain um the first year and into 2018 there were, we captured a lot of border stops of journalists. And that's a category we track because we want to see when journalists are traveling to um, outside of the U.S. or back in, um, are they stopped for secondary questioning? Are they stopped for, uh, are their devices searched? These are the things that we're looking for because they're journalists to the best of our knowledge. Um, And that timing, if you remember back then, there was a lot of talk about the migrant caravan at that time. So we were tracking a lot of journalists who were being stopped at the border. So we found that in 2017. Um, We also, at the time, were tracking one at a time every time uh, President Trump said something negative or threatening against a journalist. Uh, We realized that that was a much larger project. And actually our senior reporter, Stephanie Sugars, had started when uh, Trump was a candidate and went all the way through to, um, 2020. And, uh, this, this will through through January of 2021, actually, um, tracking every negative tweet about the press that Trump put out on his account.
0: So it was, it wasn't just like if he, Picked out Because sometimes he would pick out specific hosts or anchors. This is what, anytime he just said fake news or look at them over there, the fake news, whenever he just, he pointed to us.
1: Over and over, actually more than 2,000 times, um, which, you know, Stephanie had to uh, track all of those, but both. And so we have this really neat database where you can both find, you know, track via, see how many times he said fake news. And how many times he called out individual reporters in the rankings of those individual reporters who was um, called out more. So that's something that we did not because you know we we live to read every single tweet of every single person in the world, but this is the president of the United States who has a very very large megaphone, um, not just in the U.S. but uh, the leader of you know the free world and. Um, by denigrating press on a near daily basis, uh, it average to be more than one a day over all those years. It means something because that rhetoric starts to be normal. We start to we start to get used to hearing it all the time. And why I bring that up is you asked, well, what was you know 2017? We were like, oh, President Trump um, said fake news and. Did it one at a time. And we're like, wow, this is a bucket load of fake news. We need to organize this elsewhere um, and continue organizing it elsewhere. And so that's how we sometimes see trends uh, that start to come through. And what we try to do at the tracker is make those trends make sense for everybody else.
0: What is a I'm wondering what the foundation does or can do when you look at what's happening right now around the world, especially in Russia, uh, with the invasion of Ukraine, we've seen now Vladimir Putin basically tell the press, you don't talk negatively about this war uh, and controlling the message. Um, I mean, what, I, I know you're watching it. What? What is the foundation, what can you do in helping journalists all the way around the world?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. One thing that we do in addition to advocacy is um, that digital security team that I mentioned. Keeping safe right now is the number one thing for journalists. Um, We've sadly lost five journalists already uh, covering the Ukraine war. Many more have been injured. Um, Freedom of the Press Foundation with our specific tech background. One of the specialties, one of uh, the things that we can do is keep training journalists on Encryption, use of encryption tools, for example, how to sp- speak to people, uh, to sources, to one another safely. Uh, that's, that's a huge part of this you know, new kind of war and information war, as well as uh, soldier and on-the-ground war.
0: You know, it, Coming back to here in the United States, and again, since the tracker started, what, what are the trends telling us? about what's, I guess, how people view the, the, the news press, how they treat the news press. Uh, I know that, I mean, we went through the election we've had the pandemic and then we had the Black Lives Matter march. What have you seen over the last five years?
1: Well, you know, it's been incredible following that journalists really are that mirror, that reflection to society. So, um, you mentioned the Black Lives Matter protests, uh, that began in 2020, uh, and really went through 2021 specifically for this, um, I mean, Black Lives Matter has been, matters have been around for a while, but we're talking about the the national protests that were sparked by the death of George Floyd in May 2020, into May 2020. And uh, the, the reaction to those across the US and not just the reaction, but the law enforcement reaction to that reaction. So it, Probably not since the Civil War have we seen national, widespread national protests. Um, Journalists were out covering that. That's what we do. And 2020, for the tracker, seeing it from the lens of the tracker, we saw more assaults of journalists than all the years of our history combined. We saw more arrests of journalists than all the years of our histories combined, just at the end of 2020, really that end of May into June and July, um, and from cities and states across the entire US. So there was a very strong law enforcement reaction, not just to the protests themselves, but to the journalists covering them. And that's why I say, you know, journalists really are that mirror of society from the covering the migrant caravan um, that I mentioned in 2017, 2018, where it's in the news, it's in the cycle. Well, journalists are covering it. So they're also getting stopped at the border. Into 2020, massive national protests, Um, journalists are covering it and they're also assaulted and arrested. You talk about the coronavirus pandemic When there are protests for that, um, either for lockdown measures or against lockdown measures, journalists are covering it and we cover what's happening to them covering it. Um, It's almost meta, but it really is this mirror of society. So what we're seeing right now is 2022 has been a, I really hesitate to say quieter year, but from the viewpoint of the tracker, versus what we saw in 2020 and 2021 for those national protests.
0: You're listening to The Reporter's Studio, a production of City of Dreams Media Incorporated. I'm Luis Hernandez. We're talking with Kirsten McCutton, Vice President of Editorial for the Freedom of the Press Foundation. Now, we're going to return to this conversation in just a moment. I just want to let you know that you could read more about the foundation. Just go to the website, thereporterstudio.com. By the way, you can also find us on YouTube, I've got a link down at the bottom, you can actually watch videos of these conversations. And if you have any comments or questions, please post them on my LinkedIn or at the website. Let's get back to our conversation about journalism and the safety of journalists. You know, I was thinking about what you said. You know, you think about reporters covering war, uh, reporters in Mexico, uh, where it's extremely dangerous. So you, I mean, there's so many different places I could pick here, but you, you know, not something you would think would be a problem in the United States, and yet you're you're seeing reporters, journalists being attacked, whether by just ordinary citizens, or president, or the police. Um, What kind of advice do you give? Is the training the same for for journalists in the United States in dealing with danger compared to someone who is out reporting a war?
1: You know, the U.S. still has some of the broadest and most comprehensive safety measures for for the press. Um, It's written into our Constitution, uh, but there's definitely... Has been this feeling of what we're hearing, what the tracker hears um, from journalists on the ground. Of well, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect to cover a protest in the United States of America and and be targeted with crowd control munition. Um, it's still, but you, when you're asking me about comparison, I mean, Mexico has lost six to eight journalists already this year. We're in March. Um, that there are other countries and, you know, our great partners, uh, Reporters Without Borders, Community Protect Journalists, they um, have really robust data um, to compare across the, the world with. And if you're interested in all, I highly, highly recommend, uh, there's a yearly global ranking from RSF, uh, Reporters Without Borders, um, and, and CBJ keeps on its site. Uh, a map and a and an updated list of what's going on across the across the world. We're very U.S. focused, so you know while we see an uptick, you do still have to compare it to the to the rest of the world. Uh, but it, those those feelings of being able to go out and not being worried about your safety, I think they have been eroded. And I'll use an example, uh, during the inauguration, um, I was asked, well, what are journalists do, what are organizations doing to keep journalists safe? And we rem- have to remember that, that inauguration was rolling really right off of a very tense presidential election, contested, um, continuation of Black Lives Matter protests, the coronavirus pandemic, and has all these layers, right? Um, with that, journalist covering the inauguration, um, I, it was a major um, photography outlet that said, "You know, we, we're sending our journalists differently prepared than than before, with with flak jacket, you know, with uh, bulletproof vests, with helmets." Um, on the other hand, you have journalists who tell us now. They prefer not to wear identification when possible because they don't want to be a target. So you're really seeing two different reactions uh, and both valid reactions to this. One being, I want to be there and I want to observe, but I don't want to have a target on my back. And the acceptance of things could get Unsafe, And I'm going to take all the protections possible, certainly during the protests of 2020. I mean, Portland had protests for more than 100 days straight and journalists covering it just nightly would be in goggles, vest, helmet, knowing that so much uh, munition, crowd control, tear gas was being used, that was the only way they'd be able to stay out and keep covering it.
0: That is so odd to hear that because it sounds like you're talking about another country, you know, like in a war in another country. That is so unique. I wanted to ask, because you had mentioned a couple of things um, that the foundation does. I wanted to ask a little bit about, th- I, f- I found this is fascinating, the secure drop. What is that? How does that work?
1: Yeah, it's this, Um, Well, so FPF, Freedom of the Press Foundation, uh, runs the upkeep of it and the installation of it. But what it is, is a secure messaging system essentially that a newsroom uh, could install, but also anybody can install. It's not just for newsrooms um, that allows a, let's say a source, a whistleblower who wants to be able to transfer information uh, safely without giving away what we call PII, personal identifying uh, information, because you know, that's everywhere. If you just text somebody on your phone, you're giving away a lot of information that that you can be traced back to. So secure so drop uh, is, th- there are terms that our engineers use, uh, like air-gapped, uh, like so, but the way, because I'm just a normal person, um, it's safe on both ends. So that way all identifying information is stripped out so that a journalist can safely receive information from a source. So you could get what, you know, the Pentagon Papers, through SecureDrop and not be able to trace them back, uh, because we. So you, if
0: I'm if if I'm for example a whistleblower, I, I'm working at a company and I, I know that they're illegally dumping toxic material into the Everglades and and I but if I say anything, I don't even know what'll happen to me. But I want to send it to you. So basically, this is a way for that nobody will know it's me sending it to you. Nobody will even know it's you.
1: That's a really good example of it. Yes, um, and the. I, and so new, most, you know, certainly like the New York Times, for example, has a secure drop. Many, many newsrooms do. You don't have to be as large as the New York Times. And as I said, you don't even have to. It's not just for journalists, but uh, that's our use case for it. It's a way of um, it's one of the ways that FPF works to protect, you know, not just journalists, but the 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 entire ecosystem around it right when you think well how do we keep sources safe how do we keep people safe who want to bring information to light but they're not sure yet right if they're ready to uh to be the forefront of it uh, Frances francis hausman uh you know of facebook was the who who stood in front of congress and talked about facebook now meta's uh policies she you know, accepted being the the face of that. There are and that's a it's so brave because you know certainly you know that harassment's going to come your way, that this is a way to be brave um, as well as to feel secure about how you're how you're doing it. So Newsrooms, they'll usually have, you know, here's how they reach our secure drop. Um, and so that's that's one way of doing it. Yeah. And it's this really neat thing that the org does, that uh, Freedom of the Press does, because it's, again, it's that ecosystem, right? When you have to think about all the ways of protecting journalists and journalism itself. Um, keeping whistleblowers safe is part of that. Mm.
0: The other thing I wanted to ask you about, I and I'm wrapping my brain around this, that we need this archive news right is that what is it? archive archive the news what in the world how do you explain that one
1: that's one of the projects right there's a good like let's use um gawker as a good example i don't remember gawker was part of a major lawsuit and they had a shutdown um Mm -hmm. because of the
0: whole the whole Hogan lawsuit and
1: right but that was funded by someone who was very happy to take down this website so keep all of that in mind. Um, When the news site goes down, so does all of that work that journalists have done, all the stories they've told of of people. Um, And it's a way of preserving pages, uh, essentially news pages, so that they are there for, for historical purposes.
0: Hey, you're listening to our conversation with Kirsten McCutton, Vice President of Editorial for Freedom of the Press Foundation. You're listening to The Reporter Studio. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. And if you do find us there, I hope you push the subscribe button. And if you really like the content, then please do us a favor. Rate and review. It really helps. I really appreciate that. Now, before we get back to our conversation with Kirsten, I want to let you know that this podcast is a production of City of Dreams Media Inc. I also want to let you know about another podcast coming out later this spring by the same company, and it's called Planet Earth. 2072. We're very concerned because we don't see any restraining force on continued increase in temperature. It's still increasing. We're still getting more heat trapped into the oceans. And sea... No doubt about it. We're living in a warmer world. We're living in a melting world. As the polar ice melts, sea levels are going to rise and a lot of... What will Miami look like in 50 years? That's the question that's posed in the podcast, Planet Earth 2072. Because
1: as we move further into the future, things are gonna become more
0: uncertain. I think they should be pretty ticked off. I mean, really, and they are. And once they understand it, they realize they can prepare in whatever field they want is Miami is compromised. There's a small population still living here on the high ground, on the ridges. We spoke with scientists and researchers, climate activists, and also general Zers. Set in stone, we're going to see two to three feet of sea level rise from the damage that we've already done, and I don't think we're prepared for it like we think we are.
1: But it's not really individuals who need to wake up, it's politicians and corporations who need to wake up because politicians and corporations are contributing the most to this, uh, to climate And I feel like more kids are gonna join the movement and more adults are also realizing the importance of it. And I think that, you know, maybe it's like 2050, but I feel
0: that- Many of us won't be alive to see the day, but the youngest generation, Gen Z, they will. What sort of world awaits them? Tune in to Planet Earth 2072, coming out later this spring. That's Planet Earth 2072, the podcast. Again, it'll be out later this spring. Learn more about it. Go to our website, planetearth2072.com, or find us on Facebook. Now, let's get back to our conversation with Kirsten McCudden from the Freedom of Press Foundation. I asked her about what she thinks best defines what a journalist is and isn't, and the importance of journalism. But before we go back, I want to ask you, what do you think when you think of a journalist? What do you think journalism is supposed to do? And please don't be shy, tell me, let me know what you really think and what you're feeling. Find me on LinkedIn or again at the website, but let's get back to our conversation. I was thinking about something you said you know, before we started the conversation and we were talking about just you know, what it means to be a journalist and what people get wrong about journalists we're not one big monolithic group this has been the challenge it just depends on the medium it depends on the institution that that we work for but how do if you're talking to just a group of average ordinary citizens um how do you define for them what we do
1: yeah it's such a great question and it's actually it's okay to have differing opinions on it. Um, be, but one thing I always say is you have to remember, journalists aren't card-carrying professionals in the sense of it's, you know, it can be likened more to a calling than a profession. It's my, it's my job and I give my, like, just forgive me for a second, I'll, I'm gonna give you my trajectory here, right? So I did my undergrad, well, I was editor of my high school newspaper. Um, I did my undergrad in journalism I did my master's work in journalism. And then I've spent the last couple of decades at uh, newspapers, magazines, digital news outlets. And so created my journalist bona fides that way through what would be considered uh, a very straightforward path. I have always loved journalism. I've always wanted to do it. But the truth is it's for everybody and anybody wants to do it you do not need an undergraduate degree in journalism to want to follow a code of ethics and show people what's happening which is how i think of the base of journalism like i want to show you what's happening and i want to disseminate that information and i want to do that purposefully and i want to do it um with through any means. I mean, what's difficult about the, about calling somebody a journalist and trying to define it is that it has evolved. So yeah, I'm I'm probably as card carrying of a journalist cause I'm like, but I, I did my undergrad uh, and my master's. Uh, but, you know, we also consider those who completely use the medium of social media. You can still be a journalist that way we're on a podcast. That is, it's about disseminating information, following a code of ethics and bringing it to a wider subset is, is how I see um, one, a working definition of, of who is a journalist. So it's always, you have to be careful about making that so narrow uh, that it's, it's best when it's wide, I think. What do you think?
0: You know what? Uh, One of the guests that uh, will be on this podcast is an investigative journalist. I met him many years ago in Las Vegas, uh, and he now works in Florida. But uh, he was an economics student in college. And that, I think, you know, that background that he had was so helpful because he did this powerful series when he was in Las Vegas following uh, a simple story of police brutality. And then he spent a long time looking over statistics. And him and another, uh, he was he was working with other reporters on this. They had a powerful series that came out that eventually led to, and I think this is the other thing I want to ask you about is, you know, the power of journalism is that over time and all these stories and all this reporting that they, they did led to, we need some new practices and training. And so there was a massive change in the Las Vegas Police Department that started with his reporting. This goes to the other question of what journalism people will say, well, what, what do we need journalists for? Why do we need journalism?
1: Yeah. One that sort of is amazing uh, because he's, a, he probably brings that so many skills to journalism that it needs from having that background. But what you're talking about is impact, right? It's about um, journalists having impact by shining a light on something. And, and that's why, you know, we need journalists is uh, to ask gatekeepers, gatekeepers of information. Yes, the, you know, lots of people will tweet at you. Who's checking those facts? You know, one of the like journalism 101 and something, but, but it holds up is like, if your mother says she loves you, check it out. And and that's an okay uh, belief to live by because like yeah I, you know my mother but check it out and and by checking it out is how so many times uh, like the story you know like like the Las Vegas Police Department um, were able to see things that should have light shown on them and, and you hear journalists talk about light a lot uh, the the Freedom of Information Act, the Public Records Act uh, that we, um, operate under, they're also called sunshine laws for a reason, right? Sunshine is the best disinfectant. And, and there's a, there's a reason for that because it's true along with check it out.
0: No. And, and, you know, what I would say too, is, um, if you're expecting, uh, you know, people in power to police themselves
1: historically, I mean, this
0: is what, That's this is why you always bring in a third party to, to always, you know, to see what's really happening. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a, I love history. And I've been looking at how journalists have been treated throughout history. Now, this is uh, not to get into it because it's such a long story, but I found some fascinating things. I mean, President John Adams had arrested journalists when he didn't like what they said. You had publishers and journalists who were abolitionists. And then 100 years later, you had journalists and, 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 and publishers who were civil rights, uh, you know, activists as well. And so throughout history, you know, journalists have been attacked. I think that's probably getting worse now, but there's just all these fascinating stories. So what I'm getting at is really, I wonder what your thoughts, is this just a field that is always going to have a level of risk Mm -hmm. to it?
1: Um, I'd like to start my answer with a book recommendation. Uh, Presidents and the Press is an amazing president have you read that
0: no but you know what it's on the list now (laughs) put it on the
1: list it is a president by president breakdown of uh each president's interaction and relationship with the press it was recommended to me and on one hand you can if you start from the beginning you can move through every single president uh or you can just look through and you know there are it, you're right about putting things in a historical context, right? Because while information moves faster than it ever has, and it's really hard to compare uh, George Washington with uh, a Trump tweet or um, a you know fireside chat, uh, information has all, the dissemination of it has always evolved. And so to um, have these relationships with the press, will it always be? full of tension I, I think it has to be full of tension because the job is to do things that not everybody wants done certainly those who are hoarding power for the wrong reasons hoarding money for the wrong reasons now physical safety um, online safety is all is all new and evolving in a way so it, it's it's really hard to Take a crystal ball and look at you know look at what the future will be. I think online harassment, um, because it's very hard to track, it's very hard to stamp out, um, will continue to evolve, a- and that is a real security risk for for journalists. Um, that's why digital safety is is such a huge part of, of what we do and what you know, what actually anybody. Um, I was just having a chat with my sister, like you should use Signal, just use Signal. Uh, she's not a journalist, but to end encryption is very important so you know those are my predictions is that it will keep evolving like it has always
0: evolved understanding what news media is can be tricky like because again it depends on where we work what we're doing what the boss wants to do it every journalist isn't the same
1: no it, it's made up of a collection journalism is a made up of a collection of humans um, it's not supposed to be the same. And actually, you know the the more diversity there is both in medium and in people, the better off it is. So that that's not a bad thing.
0: So far this year, things have seemed a little more calm than past years. is what that's what statistics are telling us.
1: That's what the tracker is documenting so far this year. Now we never know how a full year is going to play out. We didn't know that by mid twenty twenty, we would see more journalists assaulted or arrested than ever before. Um, but again, it mirrors what's going on um, in the U.S. So we'll we're always able at the end of the year we're able to look back and, and see the peaks and valleys of, of time.
0: But do you do you think that it's being reported enough that enough journalists are coming out and saying, "Hey, somebody smashed my camera," or "Hey, somebody's been attacking me on Twitter"?
1: Yeah, I, I say. That the US Press Freedom Tracker is at best uh, an underrepresentation of, of what's happening, but it is what we have and it's the best representation that we have right now. W- my team is working all the time to make sure journalists, news orgs, everybody's aware that this is where you report incidents and that that reporting informs legislation, it informs advocacy, uh, that it, it's so important to to document it, even though journalists hate being the story, um, because we're able to see these trends, and maybe do something about it, uh, and that's for legislation, that's for advocacy groups uh, to do, and I, really our job is is to collect it and organize it so we have some sense of what's going on.
0: It's an important job. And I, I can speak as a journalist. Uh, really grateful that the foundation is there. Thank you so, so much for what you do.
1: Well, thank you. And I, I say that like, I hope to never have to talk to you.
0: <laughs> Kirsten, <laughs> That's... no, I, I totally get that. That is the one time I would say, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kirsten, thank you so much for being in the reporter studio.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: You were listening to our conversation with Kirsten McCudden, again, Vice President of Editorial for the Freedom of the Press Foundation. She's also the Managing Editor of the U.S. Press Freedom Tracker. Learn more about the tracker and the foundation at the website, thereporterstudio.com. And also, so you know, this podcast is not just me having conversations that you can listen to. I want to listen to you. I want to hear your questions, your thoughts about the news media. I want to know what's on your mind. What are you thinking when you think about journalists? And that's fair if you think we're fake news, if you want to tell me that we're terrible, horrible people, that's okay. But at least ask me a question and let me help you better understand who we are and what we do. That's all I ask. So post your questions and your comments at thereporterstudio.com or on my LinkedIn page. By the way, I have a YouTube link down there. You can watch the videos of these conversations. Coming up next week on The Reporter Studio. Uh, and we, we need to be in the spaces where people are at. Uh, we need to be present and we need to be accessible. And I don't think we always are. Um, I, I, I think related to that, punditry uh, is one of my least favorite things. Um, because uh, the idea of people screaming at each other for the purpose of trying to make a point um, is I think very dangerous uh, because our democracy is very fragile even still it relies upon people trusting each other and working with each other compromising with each other that's why for me like I am a conversation with David Plossus he's the director of opinion and engagement at the Tennessean in Nashville he's going to talk about how he's trying to help bring people together to talk to each other that's a pretty good idea Thanks again for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. I hope you subscribe and come back again next week. Talk to you soon. The Reporter Studio is a production of City of Dreams Media Incorporated.